stick it out there, and then we will uh, start the show. It always takes a second. Uh, I wonder what Rockfin is doing on their server end. I don't know. Takes a second. And once we do, I'll play the music, and then we'll get going. Oh, look at that. They're ready. They're ready to go live. So here we go. All right, Union of the Unwanted back April 4th, 2022. It's our first show for about a month and a half. Charlie is somewhere on the road. Ricky is God knows where. I have no idea where Ricky is. And Sam will be joining us in about uh, five minutes. Oh, wait, I see Ricky. There he is. Hey, Ricky. What's up? What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody joining us today on this Great day. Sorry, guys, running a little late. Uh, the nice thing is I always get here before Sam, even if I am a little late. So uh, that's good news. But uh, so thanks, everybody, for being with me. Of course, I'll remind you guys, we haven't done a show in a while because schedules and a lot of life stuff getting in the way. But uh, typically it is every other Monday live streamed on Rockfin. The video is there. And then within 24 hours to 48 hours, the audio is available everywhere. And you can also get the video for free on Rockfin and Odyssey within uh, 24 to 48 hours. And then if you go to the unionofthewanted.com, it'll take you to our link tree where you can get links to basically everything, all the platforms we're on and uh, all that stuff, merchandise, that type of stuff. So please check that out. Of course, thank you so much, everybody, for being with me. Uh, my brothers from different others, Charlie uh, from Macroaggressions, Mike from OBDM, and then Sam uh, Tripoli from the 800 shows he does will be joining us shortly. And uh, and of, of course, there's always things to talk about. It, it, is there anything you guys want to start with? It, you know, Do you guys have something in mind? I know Susie's always very up to date with the COVID stuff and the medical freedom stuff. Uh, it, is it, We could start there or if you guys have something else you guys might want to jump into. Or Mike, sorry, Mike, I kind of cut you off and jumped in and took <laughs> took over the show. <laughs> I, I say enough on my own show. I just stay here and be quiet and work the knobs. So, no, I, this is an open panel. I'd love to hear what everyone has to say. Uh, uh, let's start with Susie in, in, in COVID. I've ignored COVID for the past two months. And I know it's coming back, but I don't know when. Maybe she can inform us. <laughs> uh, so right now it's the FDA. The Food and Drug Administration is up to their shenanigans. They have asked Pfizer to um, come forward and apply for an EUA, which is emergency use authorization, to give the COVID jab to six-month to four-year-olds. Um, if anyone that's following this knows that there is absolutely zero relative risk for this population for a severe disease outcome and definitely not death. It makes absolutely no sense. This is an experimental gene therapy. Um, we should not be giving this to our babies. It's a coronavirus. It's in the family of coronaviruses. Most of our kids have some sort of immunity. If it's not antibodies, it's a T cell immunity. There is absolutely no reason for this to be the case. They failed in November. Pfizer went and did trials in this population 
Um, they didn't achieve vaccine efficacy to the threshold that would allow EUA. They tried again in February. They failed a second time. And now they are giving, instead of just the two primary uh, vaccines, they're giving a booster in this trial that they're currently running to try to get that efficacy up to give to our six-month-old to four-year-olds. Um, and they will be holding a meeting on April 6th and we'll be discussing that. So, you know, it's something we all need to be aware of what's going on. I've been working with a coalition of organizations throughout the country and throughout the world. We have a campaign out right now, hashtag parents are watching. You can text uh, FDA to 33777 and get the call to action to message all of the FDA voting members to tell them not to approve this, to not give EUA um, for this specific demographic. And also there is a video associated with that to help people understand what the failures are in these trials. So that's my big mission right now. When Ricky asked me to come on tonight, I was like, yes, here's a platform I will share. And I really hope that everyone will check it out. It's parentsarewatching.com, the video, the CTAs there, like I said, text 33777 um, FDA to that number and you will get all the information that you need. I got a question for you since you're, yeah. since you're on the front lines of this. Uh, given that the the vaccine doesn't do a good job at preventing uh, infection and preventing transmission, and also given that I, I believe under the emergency use authorization, it explicitly states that the vaccine that is being authorized under emergency conditions is to prevent the spread. How do they? How does the FDA reconcile uh, that decision based upon what they know now? So the FDA knows that the FDA knows that it doesn't stop transmission. Um, they don't care because we're under a public health emergency. Therefore, there are no rules to follow. They can circumnavigate anything they need to in order to push forward their agenda. And I'll go one step forward there. So normally a drug manufacturer goes to the FDA to apply for EUA. They have a whole application process where they show their trial data. They show everything that they have about safety and efficacy. In this situation with the FDA, they actually went to Pfizer and requested that they apply for EUA. This is something that has never been done in history. It's completely unprecedented. And they said, I'm sorry, we can't because there was total failure in our trial. So, you know, the regular rules, the checks and balances that you expect to have happen here have not happened or not happening. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. The collusion, the complete corporate capture of our regulatory agency. It's out there boldly, here we are, and they're not hiding anymore because of their arrogance, their evil, whatever you want to, adjective you want to throw there. It's an effed up situation. So I'll try to censor my language tonight so we don't get coughed on the, it, off the internet, but I just, yeah, it's- no, You're fine. Susie, I, I would, uh, I would uh, I'd like to ask you, I think personally, and probably uh, Tease, who, who's done a lot of research on the history of the uh, big farm and all that stuff with his uh, great series, uh, The Conspiracy Synergy, the, you guys can add to this. I mean, don't you think that we got in this position because of the fact that so many people in alternative media, besides now, like you have the high wire and, and Ryan from Last American Vagabond has done a great job, Corbett. Uh, but for a long time, the majority of people weren't really focused on medical freedom and the power and influence of big pharma. And the neglect of that issue alone kind of led us here. And I'm a little concerned about how now people feel like COVID's behind us, thanks to uh, Dr. Putin, who, who apparently cured us of it all. Like, I almost feel like it's getting neglected again. And like, it, it could lead us down the same road. And there's also 
a lot of things are still going on behind the scenes that we're we're kind of uh, not aware of because we're we're so ready to move on from the topic. Are, are you a little concerned about that? People kind of uh, too willing to move on from this topic and then maybe leading to some future issues. T, Susie, and you guys. I I can really just mention my perspective on the whole kind of big picture phenomena of what the FDA entwined with all of the other kind of organizations, the functional purpose that it serves, like what it actually does. It's an insurance liability shield. So if they're pushing harder to try and get drugs into people, it probably means they poisoned so many people that they need the coverage. And the best way to cover it is to put it into more people. That's terrifying. Yeah, but that's what it's, that's why it's tied with like uh, the education, the regulation, the allopathic model being disproportionately represented in the way in which they approach every issue that people have, every symptom. It's a monopoly, and that's what the FDA is. They're, uh, they're there to maintain the monopoly that is an insurance liability shield so that by and large people don't realize that it's more to do with toxicological buildup and psychosomatic uh, emergence of disease over time. And that's something when if you get into, like, say, a book by Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief, you can start to look into um, just how poisonous that industry at large is. And then when you infuse that with the media, I'll point to, say, Corbett's interview with Denis Rancou, which then starts to talk about his statistical analysis of what we saw with COVID across Canada, which suggests that it wasn't really there. It was more based, of, it was more based in fear. And how vulnerable populations, be they immunosuppressed or the elderly, were about 10 times more likely to suffer the consequences of that. So when you infuse the media, which is the pimp on behalf of Big Pharma, which is the protection agency on behalf of the way in which we're all being poisoned one way or another, it's the perfect storm. And that's sort of what we're in the middle of. So how does increasing the dosages and then moving on to younger children increase their shield like that? So like, that's one thing you could look at, say, uh, RFK and the work he's done insofar as them trying to get it into younger kids as a way of getting uh, basically liability free, trying to get off the hook for the ways in which they, it's, it's one of those things where, um, as Susie had kind of mentioned, it's, it's. Sort of just uh, a nightmare situation where because they're trying to get it on the schedule. If they get it on the kid's schedule, then they get that liability, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it works like that, more or less. Yeah. So the 86 Act allowed complete liability for vaccine manufacturers. So once there's the advisory advisory committee on immunization practices, which is the advisory committee for the CDC, once a vaccine gets on the adolescent schedule, they are released from liability you cannot sue the manufacturer. And that's what they're working towards right now. And I know most of you guys know that. I don't know if the listeners know that though. It's very important that people understand that there's no liability. So when your child is injured or dies, you can't go sue the manufacturer. Like we can sue anyone. We live in America. You can go sue anyone for anything. You can go sue McDonald's because their coffee is too hot. But if your child dies from a vaccine, you can't do anything about it except for go to the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Court, which is just a complete and total joke. What I'm hearing. Oh, sorry, Susie. I just want to say I really appreciate what T said. And I feel like we should connect offline because you're my people. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I'm hearing a lot uh, in in kind of the the world of sports is that athletes that are having issues with, uh, you know, just not feeling right and maybe not being able to point the the finger on what exactly is causing some health issues or whatever. um, They're getting a lot of pushback from their employer, you know, their teams or whoever, 
And so what I'm hearing in, in, in talks is that that's due to the employer being concerned about, because obviously the vaccine has no liability risks. So they're worried about them getting the blame for enforcing a mandate that caused these health issues. So what they're doing is they're kind of covering it up or saying, and that's another thing that it's a little concerning because a lot of these, these uh, team doctors or health experts that work for the team and they're part of the the group, they're part of the, the team, they have incentive to, to kind of do what the team wants them to do. So if you're the team doctor, you could get a little, like a little push or incentive to like, Hey, if somebody has a heart issue or is having some type of health issues, don't bring up the vaccine. Don't, don't even say that it could be linked to that uh, because now that falls on us. And, and, you know, that's kind of the thing that was always like surprising to me of how, how many, how many people, how many uh, companies and, and, and people were pushing to mandate the vaccine on their, uh, their employees, even if it wasn't like a federal, federal mandate and they didn't fall into those guidelines. Cause I'm like, well, aren't you worried about getting sued eventually if somebody has this issue, but it, it's, um, you know, I think the vaccine co- topic is the perfect uh, example of propaganda working because the vaccine propaganda has worked so well that I think a lot of employers just assumed like vaccines are all safe. So like mandating this isn't a risk at all, like because we know vaccines only do good in the world. So, um, you know, that's a little concerning. Uh, Anybody want to add to that? If to to what I said, Uh, I know some of you guys are sports fans. That could be uh, a topic that you guys are intrigued with um, because we are seeing a lot of that. Yeah, Uh, we had crazy. Now all this stuff coming out about the Miami uh, Internet, uh, invitational uh anywhere from like 16 to 17 players having to stop down i've heard stuff that's not all about the vaccine but i think we all know i mean like take a look at the foo fighters drummer man rest in peace but like literally his heart was twice as big as a normal human heart which is mitochondrialis or whatever it's called you know <laughs> mushmouth sam mushmouth sam saying you know, so uh, whatever that term is, it's the straight definition of that mitochondrial, whatever. You know what I'm saying. But the point is, is that uh, Mushmouth Tripoli can't say it right, but that like that's the definition of it. And right there you have a hit. And it's like it's really scary because we're seeing it. You know, it's like Cliff High said, man, uh, people are going to start dropping and it really makes me sad. Uh, And he's right. I mean, Cliff High, they had to get him off Twitter because he was just nailing everything. And um, it's kind of scary times right now. Well, in 2022, your blood is either boiling or clotting, as they say, with what's been going on. Um, You know, these professional teams, they they give their players EKGs every year. They run them through a physical. It'll be easy to show a baseline where they were before and where they are now post vaccine. They're going to, they're going to, the manufacturers might have, uh, might be indemnified against lawsuits, but the teams are not. And I don't know what it's going to take. Is it going to take somebody just dropping dead at center court? Um, I mean, it's been happening all over Europe. Are we going to have to have like a Hank Gathers situation here in the U S with a basketball player that just falls over and drops dead in front of everybody before people start to, maybe wake up to this reality that that the common denominator here is that once the vaccines rolled out 
people started having heart attacks at younger ages. It's undeniable. The media is trying to whitewash this by talking about, well, you know, when your kid has its first heart attack, you're like, no, 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 no. They shouldn't be having any heart attacks. Yeah. And we, we've been watching them do this. And, and I think one of the things that Tease was talking about too, is that it's very important for them to remove the control group, meaning the people that are not taking the shots and because the more you r- remove the controlled group, then you can just point to everyone and say, well, listen, COVID caused this. It's everywhere. But as long as there are outliers that refuse to get jabbed, they can be held out as the people that say, well, none of us are turning it. We're not dropping dead. We're not falling. We're not pulling out of the Miami open. But all these other people are. What's the common denominator? Well, they all got the injections. We didn't. You know, so the, the, it's, it's important for them to remove the con- control group as fast as they can, but it's not going to work because there's still so many of us that are not vaccine hesitant, as they say, but we're just not doing it under any circumstances. So they're going to have a difficult time. That's the problem, though, is that they, they did remove the control group. So when they were doing the studies, they actually removed the control group. As soon as the phase one study got done, they started vaccinating the control group that got the placebo so that there is none. So we don't know the vax versus unvax. I mean, I, I follow the regulatory agencies so closely. I read every single word of every single document and it's total bullshit because that's what they're doing because they don't want to show this, in, this incredible increase in myocarditis and pericarditis and all these different, you know, heart inflammations and even in cancers, right? So if you follow VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, they are showing that we are having this huge increase in things like, you know, uh, Bell's palsy in miscarriage and yes, heart attacks and deaths. It's like the numbers are exponentially higher than they've ever been at any time for any other vaccine, which is not a vaccine, it's gene therapy, but any other vaccine ever. And they need to hide that data. So as to what everyone else has commented here, yes, we have removed the control group. We've removed any way to be able to see that vax versus unvaxed, except for people like us that are holding out and saying, fuck you. And even worse I, than that, they, they've, oh, sorry, uh, but I uh, just add this real quick. Even worse than that, they've actually removed people that had adverse reactions. The, so I'm sure many of you guys saw the videos of, uh, that were circulating of people who were part of their trials and they had, they had adverse reaction. One famous one was uh, that young girl, Maddie, who had adverse reaction. I mean, her mother, ba- you know, I, I, there's interviews of them talking about this, about how they literally removed any information of her even existing in that scientific study uh they removed her from the study so there's no listing of her at all just to basically remove somebody from uh the the trial that had a a adverse reaction i think initially they minimized what it was uh and then they completely removed her and i know dell from uh, the high wires also had somebody on or maybe a few people on who uh had similar experiment or situations where uh they were removed from the trial data and it's like so you can't believe anything that they're they're sharing and and that's probably why they went to the federal government and said hey can we hide our documents for 55 years and then they lost and like well how about 75 years (laughs) and so um oh tim you wanted to jump in yeah, there's a few things. Now, going back to the sports, uh, I pretty much I used to be a diehard basketball, college basketball fan, Syracuse basketball fan, and I only I think watched like three games this year because I cannot take the propaganda. And one of the games I watched, they were advertising for if you have a heart attack, tell them tell the ambulance you want them to take you to either, either like Kraus or Upstate Hospital. So they're advertising where you should go when you have a heart attack, and I've never seen that in my yeah. life before. 
Then uh, this past, uh, so, I'm, so we all have the ability to be activists in our own everyday daily life. My girlfriend runs a site, learntherisk.org, and they sell these little cards that are like business cards. And basically you, you can go like after you get done pumping gas, you can go put them in like little credit card slot and they will list the ingredients that are in vaccines because there's too much focus on the, like the coronavirus vaccine as opposed to the fact that most people can't name like three ingredients in a vaccine to begin with. But going back to the sports, I also a tennis player. And I just, uh, obviously like you have Novak Djokovic who was banned from playing pretty much everywhere in the world. And then Rafael Nadal ended up like cleaning up and winning all the tournaments in his absence. Now Nadal, uh, his ass was like on the ground of the court the other day with breathing problems. And then after a week, they're like, Oh, it's, uh, it's a fractured rib, like bullshit. Like if you have a fractured rib, you just don't find out about it a week later. It's something you'd find about like at the, at the time. And I was wearing my Djokovic shirt, uh, you know, at the shooting range last Friday. And some like Asian kid is like, he's wearing a mask. The only person there wearing a mask. I'm like, come on, bro. You're killing me right now. Like you're wearing a mask. You're in Arizona. You're shooting guns right now. What are you doing? He's like, you know what? You're right. And he goes and he takes his mask off with like, like he was like waiting for somebody to say that. And then he asked me if I was Serbian because of my Djokovic, Djokovic shirt. I'm like, no, it's actually because I'm really anti-vaccine. And so this is sort of like an FU, like coded message to other people who are out there because it pisses off all these like old people I play tennis with. So uh, wearing this Djokovic shirt. So, you know, we all have the ability to just like talk, like me talking to that random kid next to me at the shooting range. I got him to take off his mask. And, you know, we all have the ability to like do that just on our own individual level, as opposed to like looking up to like other people. And, you know, it all starts by taking action and, uh, and it's more than just the fact that the coronavirus vaccine is bad. It's that the, all these vaccines are bad. I mean, and I think too much, there's too much like pussyfooting around this issue. And obviously not with the people who are on here, but just like in general. That's a great point. Hey, Susie, or anybody else that knows, there was an initiative or a website I saw a little while ago that was trying to get people to register as a, con- as a new control group, like people that were not allowed to get jabbed or, you know, pretending that, uh, you know, they can't be jabbed because they're part of the control group. I don't know if you know about that. Is it legit? Is that something that people should do? It's kind of, kind of scares me signing up for anything these days. You know, I might get my bank account frozen or. I'm with you, dude. Like I wouldn't sign up. Um, I, I heard, I saw, it was sent the links and I, I, you know, I don't do that. I'm happy to go speak publicly anywhere. I travel the country. I'll, say over and over again, like what Tim was saying. Yeah, there's all the vaccines are bullshit. If you actually look at all the trial data, this is not, this is not new. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going and signing up in a coffer so that they can come take us all out, which is what I feel like, but you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So don't listen to me. Yeah. I threw a question out there. I wonder what people think. What do you think about what this means about Putin? You know, I mean, given that if everyone's on board that, there's some connection. We'll never know what it is between Ukraine and providing cover for the vax. What does that say about our boy Putin? He's one. He's the guy who was tapped to provide the cover, right? Or is that is anyone else reading it like that? So, in other words, uh, Alex, are you, you're saying like, do you think potentially? They were using Putin to to basically move on from the COVID thing. Well, and- I, I think I think that was your point, Ricky. Was that it? Sure looks. I mean, there's a realness to to Ukraine, like no one could deny a realness to it. But it's the point that you're making. A lot of people are making. It's pretty hard to just chalk that up as coincidence. Oh, gee, you know, 
the COVID thing is really starting to hit the fan in terms of the DOD epidemiological database and all the other stuff you guys are talking, we're going to need some cover. So I think that's a narrative that's out there that seems to have legs. I don't know what anyone else thinks, but I haven't heard many people go the next step. Okay, if that was cover, then it's kind of interesting that they tapped their boy Putin to be the cover maker. Well, Alex, I honestly believe that the whole rhetoric about Putin's getting rid of the Rothschild banks, I think that's all theatrical uh, propaganda. It's kind of like when they, you know, in the United States, like we're fighting Nazis or we're fighting Al Qaeda. That's just to get us all excited. You know, he is he is and was World Economic Forum. There's pictures of him. People believe he's a Freemason. I've always believed. I mean, he came in through your uh, Yeltsin, right? Like he was Boris Yeltsin and he came through. Sorry, I can't talk today. But Boris Yeltsin, he's Boris's guy. He did a false flag to uh, in the in the movie theater, shot up everybody there. He's losing the war. He was losing the election in the polls, shot the movie theater, then won the election. So I, I think he's just there to keep the, the, the Russian people down. That is my God honest belief. I don't think he's a good guy. He maybe have some good points here, but I think he's completely there. And I never thought about that. He was basically told to do that. That's, it's a really interesting take that does have some legs in my humble opinion. I, I actually differ in, in the Putin thing. I, I don't, this is just a theory I've been exploring and people can kind of, uh, give their their thoughts but i uh this guy who's been on my show he was the host of the on tyranny podcast and also ancient greece Re revised uh youtube channel um because of him i i kind of got exposed to this guy alexander dugan and some people might know him as they they call him a uh, putin's brain he was one of like the most influential philosophers in russia and somebody very close to putin and he what his whole YouTube channel was completely erased. All its lectures, everything that he had, you know, everything about this guy just got erased, was being censored. So as a conspiracy theorist, quote unquote, uh, nothing makes something more sexy than being banned. So of course I dive deep into who the hell is this guy and why is he being censored? Um, he, he has a very interesting perspective on why the West hates Russia. And it's something that I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, completely sold on but it's an interesting thought experiment and a kind of uh, look into um it seems like they have a culture and and a history that they really want to hold on to obviously people have heard like um about them uh, uh you know just being anti-gay or some of these other things like in other words being more conservative than you know uh, a country like us um and you know i kind of define you know being a conservative country as like okay they have some old values that they're holding on to and then the u.s is like throwing that all away and like let's make everything progressive and just say everything sucks before and make everything better and change everything you know and um and i think it's a threat to maybe uh the progressive ideologies that have kind of taken over a lot of the west with uh you know kind of um looking at religion as something dumb, uh, looking at gender as like, uh, you know, oh, you, if you still believe a girl is like this, uh, you know, a girl piece sitting down and a guy piece standing up, then, you know, you're a prehistoric uh, idiot. You know, it's like it, it, he, it almost seems like they, because they're a world power and a world power that they can't force their culture onto, they could be a threat to this 
uh, you know, what ends up being baby steps into this transhumanism, uh, killing of the family family uh, unit type of thing, like all these agendas, it seems like th- they could be a threat to that because they're holding on to that. And they o- also have the power to not uh, to, to not let the U.S. or Western powers, uh, you know, pollute them with their ideologies like they're, they, they have the the financial and military uh, backing to 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 kind of uh, stand their ground. And I wonder, have you guys, does that make sense to you what I'm trying to say? And and, and yeah, yeah. But I, I think it goes further back. I mean, there was writers in the early 1900s talking about how long they've already been blaming Russia for. So they've been blaming Russia for stuff for like over 150 years, I'd say. So I don't know why, but it sounds like that was, you know, maybe there's a, you know, an old, an older, uh, thing that you're talking about ricky like that's the contemporary reason but there's also older reasons maybe they're similar i mean maybe they were a a threat to this new world order that they were trying to establish in the 1800s as well so just because you brought up the term quote unquote new world order i am never really sold on the idea that the poot poot is quote unquote anti new world order and i'm also not sold on the fact that he answers to no one right Uh, I think that those two things definitely have to be taken into account. Now, at the same time, um, I do think that he feels threatened by NATO. I do think that he doesn't want to be a part of that organization or that aspect of the UN and the push for global governance, et cetera. I think it's very, very complex. But let me just give you an example of a real front man that's pushing into the poot poot universe that is largely being ignored and it's almost cartoonized. And it should really really be dissected by more and more in the alternative media. Elon fucking Musk is nobody's friend. Okay. And the fact that he put 9% into Twitter is nothing compared to the fact that he is actively engaged in trying to start world war three right now. He launched what he says are Starlink satellites. Okay. Everybody has to understand that is fiction. Okay. They are not Starlink satellites. They are DARPA's blackjack satellites. Openly, SpaceX piggybacks these. These are Mandrake 2s. They ride SpaceX. He puts them anywhere he wants in the world, or rather anywhere the military wants in the world, because they're his largest contractor via SpaceX rockets. They are openly being utilized for small drones to do kamikaze-style attacks on tanks in Russia right now. He is having fights with members of parliament and talking about one-on-one combat with Putin. These are things that we have to worry about. The idea he is also being set up as some kind of a free speech savior right now is fiction. Okay, He is not doing that whatsoever, and we have to start acknowledging that. Like I see people worshiping this guy. Can you imagine if a multi-billionaire, the guy that did best in COVID, by the way, increased his fortune 600%, look into it, did the best out of anybody. His biggest contractor ever is the military industrial complex, SpaceX, okay, period. Tesla is subsidized by the government and DARPA has their own brain chip now for five decades and he does Neuralink as well. Are we are we like slow? Do we not get it? Why? Because he tweets about people should have free speech. Well, I, 
I didn't notice that Alex Jones got his Twitter account back today because of Elon Musk. I didn't notice that they took off the warnings. Okay. I didn't notice that my shadow ban has gone away. I didn't get a blue check mark today. Did you guys? So people have to understand that dude is a hundred percent front. He is as fucking dangerous as it gets. And he is putting military equipment up in a war zone that is killing people. So, hey, man, we're not in Kansas anymore. That should J be Jason every day. Jason, what do you think that says about Rogan? What you uh, just you know said. What? I think we have our blind spots, bro. Here's the deal. I, you know, I, I personally know Alex Jones. I think I kind of pissed him off because the last time that I hosted the show a little month and a half ago, I went hard on McGregor. <laughs> you know, I took a national platform because I had it. It was, a, it was the Sunday show. It wasn't just the fourth hour. And I, I exposed Conor McGregor as the violent serial rapist that he is. <laughs> okay. The truth is the truth. I'm not pulling any punches. If COVID-1984 hasn't woken everybody up to these guys, don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Now, is Rogan, listen, it's, it's tough. I'm not in everybody's personal head, right? Uh, I, I absolutely believe people have blind spots. For instance, I'm going to be speaking uh, at the Clay Clark event, uh, the Reawaken America tour. You know, it's a big Flynn stuff. I'm actually going to be doing a podcast thing in two or three weeks at the end, at the end of uh, uh, where when is it? end of April in, in Tulsa. And then I'm going to be speaking at one of the big events. I don't trust half the people there, <laughs> but you know what? They're letting me get on stage and talk about Dennis Bushnell, NASA, transhumanism. And uh, somebody has been good enough, um, must be watching my work to dig up some Bushnell videos. So I've been harping on the fact that he openly talked about in 2011, not only Malthus 101, instituting population control, but they had put 10,000 brain chips in people already. Well, found a 2014 video. He said that number had been up to 40,000, found him in 2018. It is now 200,000, is on an exponential level. In 2022, my best guess from the jump and what he is willing to admit is we on the planet right now, we're not talking cochlear implants, okay, have a couple hundred, or I'm sorry, uh, two million, probably about two million people with brain chips, and they have, they've had super soldiers. We talk about Chinese super soldiers. What fucking planet are we on? We've been GMOing humans, okay, since post-World War II openly. Everybody should read Annie Jacobs and stuff, Area 51, Pentagon's Brain, DARPA. It's all here. The transhumanist nightmare that we're about to live through has already been plotted and almost perfected on a, a micro level. And now they got fun boy with his DARPA projects, convincing everybody it's going to be the coolest fucking thing since breakfast that they can listen to Taylor Swift in their head. Who gives a flying rat's ass? <laughs> so I'm sorry. You know, I, this is my first broadcast of the day. I'm a little hyped up. I'm doing mixed martial mm -hmm. mindset later. You can get really into it. But dude, where are you? Alternative media. And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about everybody. This guy is as dangerous as it gets, period. <laughs> he likes Dogecoin. So that's good, right? He talked about Dogecoin. <laughs> Could he be yeah, the Antichrist? He manipulates false crypto markets on top of it. What a fucking great dude. Could he be the Antichrist? Oh. I don't think so. He's not pretty enough. Mm, fair <laughs> enough. Everybody thinks he's saving everybody. He's the Antichrist prophylactic. He's very divisive. I mean, he does have his, his, his fan people out there, but his investment in uh, Twitter, like it's going to save the platform. 
It could be just like he wants a solid investment. He knows his investment is going to drive up the price of that stock. He'll sell it in a few months and he'll make another killing. I mean, it could be well, something as simple as that. I, I, I'm not saying that's not, that's not part of it. Okay. But I, I give him credit on one thing. He's one of the few people out there. And I, and I think it's honestly to gain the trust of, of people like myself that will tell you openly that overpopulation is a myth. It's very rare in the elite circles, right? They, they usually are very Malthusian. Uh, another one of those people is actually Ray Kurzweil. They'll openly tell you that we're only using about 5% of the usable land for the human species and that we could multiply by a ton and it wouldn't hurt the planet and that we can make clean energy and these technologies are there and we can empower human beings, right? But I don't trust them because all of his money, listen, man, the electric car has been around for 30 fucking years. How many times did they knock out other businesses? Why did they let him not be profitable for over a decade? How did he get the military industrial rocket contracts? We're not going to the moon. We're not going to Mars. That is fiction. (laughs) If you listen to the insiders, even openly, the head of NASA, since the Gemini project, he's been around. His name is Dennis Bushnell. If you're not watching my videos on him, I would encourage you to do so. We're not sending people to these places. We're sending the robots that can do everything the people can do cheaper and better. (laughs) All right. That's the bottom line. If you think his rocket ships are taking human beings to the moon, again, listen to Bushnell. He'll openly tell you in order for that type of space travel, we need to, quote unquote, genetically modify and space harden humans against the radiation and the G's. All right. And if you don't think they've been trying to do that, they absolutely have. So. You know, what you need to do is read in between the lines, read the literature they're actually putting out. Listen to these people when they're speaking to other multimillionaire and billionaire investors at places like um, the Fire Project, I think, is one, the Blue Tech Forum, et cetera. And, and, that's, and that's the bottom line, man. But you, you talk, for instance, even when Kurzweil talks about how overpopulation is a myth, he talks about it in the reference that he's explaining it to one of the heads of the International Monetary Fund. Because she's convinced climate change is real and population is the problem and we don't have enough resources for everybody. And he's like, no, we do. We totally do. (laughs) And and again, it's in that light. I I don't, you know, it's that blind spot. I think a lot of people uh, in those upper echelons buy into their own bullshit. They already look at us like fucking insects, man. You know, I was listening to Herman Kahn, who, uh, you know, was a a big uh, driving force in not only Kissinger politics, but politics in general, 70s, 80s, World Economic Forum. Johnny Vedmore's done a great piece on it. And although he's in favor of the small businessman and he's outraged when the small businessman gets screwed over and gets you know thrown into the wealth, welfare state and regulated and taxed, he refers to the entire class of people as the peasant class. And he's part of it. <laughs> you know, he's no socioeconomically better than most of us at that point. You know, he just rides with these people in, in, you know, the Oxfords of the world, the Harvards of the world, CIA hotbeds. That's how they, the, the people at the very top, they don't even look at it as peasants. We're bugs. We're less than bugs. We don't deserve the transhumanist future that they're going to get. We deserve the transhumanist slavery they will provide. All right. Well, it's getting a little cheery. <laughs> it's not about the great food. Show, it's about guys. keeping those great ants in show. line. Thank you so much. Uh, for, no, um, I think there's something to it. I, I mean, I've learned you can't su- 
dude, if you think billionaires are coming to save you, you're delusional. I'm also somebody who likes to sit there and be like, I, I, I think you're right. We should do an episode on Elon Musk. I think him, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, um, and uh, Bill Gates, the, the, their whole story is a lie. It's all a lie. It's my theory that the, the Mayor Rothschild story about, oh, my God, he was like 13 and he was running a major investment firm and he was so smart. And he sent his family all over the place and they took over everything. It's like it's all Paul Bunyan bullshit. It's all Paul Bunyan bullshit. They position these kids into these places and give them all the stuff that the elites have been working on. You know, Elon Musk is a rich kid. He's just a rich kid. His dad bragged about having so much money they couldn't close the vault. He's had a million failures. He just has so much money now. Not through anything he did, through buying Bitcoin and other of these digital currencies. Well, let's and not forget that it was him and Thiel that are the main. Well, there's four other players, but him and Thiel are part of PayPal, the original digital money platform. <laughs> I mean, you look at where this guy's been. And he has positioned himself so well in so many places, gotten amazing media coverage. Amaz Hell, the guy Bushnell praises him in some of these speeches. Elon Musk came along. Yeah, they love Elon Musk because he basically takes the technology that they admittedly inventory. When I say that, I mean the Defense Department and DARPA. It's actually in this future strategic warfare document you're looking at right here for 40 years. Uh, I mean, yeah, but the, hold on, hold on. Don't just think we have to get, I, 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 we have to get past this purely materialistic. They're in it for the money. The stock price is going to go up. You know, you mentioned the child thing. What do you guys think of the gifted child stuff? Have you seen where that's come forward on some of these guys? Like even Epstein, gifted child, and they get the call from God. You know, they get this call at a very, very young age, and they're kind of engineered in a way spiritual psycho kind of way that mk ultra kind of way that that seems to just ring resonate with me as being there's some kernel of truth there when we just when i hear people just want to follow the money and the guy's trying to make more money i mean bill gates had more money than anyone could ever spend yeah. by the time he was 25 years old it has to go to the spiritual if we're going it's to understand spiritual. any of this it's Absolutely. all spiritual. I mean, dude, Jeff Bezos' grandfather is of my belief that Amazon is an extension of the U.S. government. That's, you know, Amazon doesn't pay taxes. Yeah. Why would the U.S. government pay taxes to itself? I mean, his father started DARPA. This is all spiritual, man. They have all the money, all the power. They'll, they, dude, if, if, they, they're so beyond having the money that they'll never be able to spend in a thousand lifetimes. On the point of Elon Musk, I'm almost certain his father owns like a diamond mine or some sort Lithium. of mineral. Emerald. Emerald. Yeah, right. He's got some kind of crazy mine in Africa. I don't think they just dole that out to the average person. He didn't just stumble upon that. Well, the, I think the big picture is an important topic because the thing is, like you said, we can follow all these little details, but the truth is it's not, it, it's, you know, when we talk about transhumanism and the spiritual battle, I think a lot of us would it probably at some point during 2020, 2021, the last couple of years talked about how it felt like a spiritual battle that was going on. And I, it's, it still kind of feels like that, like this good versus evil. And 
when I say evil, like those elite, like they truly have bad intentions. They truly believe that they are the only ones who can, you know, uh, who should be making the, the, the decisions for humanity and and molding humanity as the, the way they want it. And you look at like all these, you know, guys, they all come from eugenics background, you know, Henry Welcome from the Welcome Trust in the UK, Bill Gates. I mean, they all come from eugenics and, and that type of ideology. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, w- without a doubt. I mean, and, and also the pedophilia thing. I mean, that was looked at uh, basically if you were talking about child trafficking or if you're talking about vaccines injuring somebody it was like they would you'd get the same look like those were things that were so you know insane conspiracy theorists you know type of topics and now you know people should at least have enough evidence that's like no no this these are real concerns there's pedophilia everywhere i mean uh nygaard the the fashion guy you know epstein i mean they're they're everywhere and it and and they're everywhere in politics, in Hollywood, in media. I mean, all those CNN producers nobody's talking about that um, were linked to uh, pedophilia. I mean, uh, universities, obviously, like Penn State. I mean, th- literally, they're covering it up everywhere. And and yet we just kind of go on with our lives and pretend like the world's not run by psychopaths. It's like, absolutely, they're run by psychopaths. And and that's why I, I think the average... And this goes back to kind of the other thing when I was talking about Russia and how, um, you know, maybe spirituality and and uh, believing in good and evil in in some of their culture might be easier for them to understand than in our culture where uh, people are kind of losing spirituality and losing uh, religion. I'm not a religious person, but I it seemed like during 2020 and 2021 that the people who were religious or spiritual they had a better uh, or a easier job. They had an easier job understanding that like there are bad people out there who are willing and to do like the worst things, the most evilest. Of yeah. Things. But, but when you say, you know, I would just want to pull the audience, pull us as a group here, because you're, you're saying spiritual, but I'm not sure you're really down with what, and then you're saying like pedophilia and you're saying, right. And what I think we're saying, what I'm saying is that there is this extended consciousness realm that we don't totally understand, but we're able to say, yeah, there's something out there that, kind of fits the evil de- demon thing and there's something out there that lo- fits the love and light even if we don't know what it means it is real in this extended realm and these people for whatever reason it's lots been speculated are trying to access that extended realm i'm not saying anyone here has to believe that i just would like to know is that what we're talking about because i think sometimes when people talk about it they slip back and forth between oh it's a social construct isn't he isn't he a bad guy for doing that no it's about i th- is it about an extended realm is there a reality to that so i'll jump in <laughs> only yeah. thing i believe in this world really is good and evil uh i can't I, I i don't you know i don't talk about religion like i know i don't try to shit on people's religion at all whatever you believe christian muslim buddhist whatever i i, I believe that we do have a consciousness. Some people refer to it as a soul. I think there is also a collective consciousness on top of that. We don't understand how it works. And for me, the big sell on the good and evil is right now that the two pushes for reality are they want you to believe in the multiverse. In other words, they're accessing this plane where every single thing happens in an infinite loop and everything that could possibly happen does happen. So I'm the president of the United States somewhere. I'm a serial killer somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. 
Um, I think that takes away free will and decisions and you become more of almost a computer program. And guess what? That's the second one that they're throwing out there all the time. It's the simulation theory that somehow we're some kind of a zeros and ones binary computer program. I don't believe that either. I think we are flesh and blood. I think that good and evil do exist. I think that we do have a consciousness and we have the duty to fight evil. Um, I'm not perfect. I do, I, I do also believe that some of these people at the top are simply social Darwinists and are in it for as much as they can take, as much as they can get in like Nygaard trying to live forever. And then you do have like the occult crowd, right? They're also in there. Uh, I, I think that those are uh, two things that are absolutely happening. I guess that's my opinion. I don't know if anybody else wants to jump in. Well, you know, uh, I'm really been getting into spirituality lately. And uh, for me, man, you know, when I start looking into what else they're lying to us about. You keep going deeper and deeper. You keep pulling back all these rotten uh, layers to this onion. You keep thinking you're going to get to the middle and you're, you're just never going to get to the middle. But when you start to study all the stuff that you, you know, you learn in stuff like the Kabbalion and uh, all these ancient texts, you start to realize that they're just, it's all theater and so and I'm not saying that bad things aren't happening. I think they are 100% happening. But it's like everybody wants to like just change the world. And I, and I find that when we do that, we really start paying attention to the wrong things. We start putting our energy out the wrong way and we don't focus on ourselves. And like for me, it's like I really want to change the world. And the way I'm doing that is changing myself, getting myself, you know, like Today's, hey, everybody, today's day four, no pornography. That's how I make a change in life. So I'm, I'm changing those things that are lowering my vibrations, lowering my frequency, no drugs, no alcohol, practicing abundance and everything I do. And I know we've had talks here before about all the woo-woo stuff, but when I practice those things, my world changes. When I turn off the mechanism in which the, the propaganda is sent to me, my, I start to vibrate on a higher level. When they say get into the light, man, I also think that has to do with the, the light of your heart. You know, the heavier your heart is, the more you have to come back and do this again. The lighter your heart is, the more you've learned your lessons here and you help others. I really honestly believe all that stuff. And it keeps me sane during these crazy times because I could easily go nuts at how crazy the world is now because they're... Listen, MSNBC, Fox News, all these places, nobody's watching them like they used to. So now they have to creep into everything else. And that's only going to make us turn off other stuff too, like the Grammys, the Oscars, FM radio, every streaming service, CNN Plus. They're just desperate and they're just losing all the time. Not saying it's perfect, not, but I think we're winning. I think we're going to win this whole thing. It could get ugly before it gets better. But the spirituality of all that is how I deal with it. And I don't get lost in, in all the chaos of the world because I can't change it. I can butterfly affect it by changing myself and therefore changing other people. Working, going to my school boards, dealing with that, dealing with everything on a local level. Once I deal with it on a local level, that starts to change everything else. And that's just my humble opinion. That's how I feel like I live in a more of a light 
is by working on myself and not losing it on everything that the 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 mainstream media shoves down my throat. One of the questions I kind of have. Love it. Oh, go no, ahead. I was just yeah. saying, here, here. I love it. Thanks, Sam. Badass. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the questions I have, like, you know, dude, I'm, I'm trying to disconnect and get all spiritual too, man. But like, there, there's some things I see on the horizon that are definitely going to impact us. You know, one of the things like the financial piece, you know, I don't know what, like, what, is it going to collapse? Like, are we in the collapse? Like, is it just going to be the rug pulled out from under us? I was going to maybe like, see if like Tim had some insights on this, but like they had like the whole global, what is it? World government summit this last week. You know what I mean? Like, and I only was able to listen to bits and pieces of that. And like, one of the things was the, the, the crypto portion of it where they're saying the, the central bank digital currency and all that and now we have to have like the bill of rights for you know protecting us against this new financial digital financial system and we know how well this like american bill of rights had protected us from being abused from from whatever it is they're rolling out right so i i see nothing but bad things but i'm wondering like what can i be doing right now to position myself for like this inevitable collapse i mean what what, what are your guys thoughts on all that man well one of the things that you know because we're talking about putin all of a sudden, and I might have to switch my internet out if it's not uh, good enough right now. But one of the things that all this is also distraction from is that the central banks were always basically trying to gear up to print more money and they kept running out of excuses. And so they had been signaling going back to November that basically this, you know, the end of February is going to be when they start raising rates. And then lo and behold, they had to find some sort of excuse because now you have the European Central Bank talking about, oh, what a great excuse, you know, everything. We're going to raise rates, but now that uh, Russia happened, now we've got to have an excuse to keep printing money. And so there's always going to be looking for an excuse. And actually, I thought going back to 2013, that the game plan was actually going to be to have a war with Russia and have that war be blamed and have the be the pretext to usher in the collapse of the dollar. And so this sort of collapse could look a lot different than like we think of like 2008 type collapse. But what it could be is just a collapse in the average purchasing power of everyone where everyone or you know, most everyone starts getting more poor and more poor as their, as their money gets worth less. And so you could have a situation where the stock market goes to basically infinity. Uh, if you go to look at the German Germany back in 1910, their stock market was about 400. Then it went down to 100. And what they had is they had a currency called, I think it was the uh, it was the uh, uh, what was it the gold mark. Then the, it went from the gold mark to the red mark to the Reichsmark to the Deutschmark. And so at the end of by 1923, their their uh, stock market was all the way up to 27 million. So at one point it crashed, but then they printed so much money that their money became worthless. And so all of this has been basically a ruse to get us into a central bank digital currency. And this started basically from day one into COVID. So at Float Fest, which I think some of you are going to be there. I know Sam is going to be you know headlining there. Maybe he'll get Alex Jones there. I listened to that the other day, and that was pretty awesome. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give a whole presentation on central bank digital currencies. And if you go back to, I mean, there was a Banking for All Act that was introduced on March 23rd, 2020, where they're talking about creating a central bank digital currency off the backs of all this. The very first CARES Act bill that was giving everyone the $1,200, the very first draft of that bill called for giving it in a digital dollar. Uh, you, uh, Scott, you just mentioned uh, that World Government Forum uh summit that's going on in a couple of days. Oh yeah. The world government forum. And we're the crazy ones. And there was Pippa Melgram who said, we are on the brink of a dramatic change. We are about to abandon the traditional system of money and replace it with a new one. 
digital currency, digital blockchain CBDC, which will give us greater clarity over every single transaction. And I don't want, I mean, I'm actually looking in front of an entire presentation I have on this in front of me, but I don't want to bogart this entire thing. But whether it's like The Economist magazine going back to 33 years ago, coming out with a, you know, get ready for the one world currency, Phoenix rising out of the ashes, and 33 years later coming out with their gov coins. Uh, whether it's you know Klaus Schwab's The Great Reset, which is somewhere around here. I mean, pages 72 through 75 basically just outline it. The, the subchapter is called The Fate of the U.S. Dollar. Uh, then you've got guys like Augustus Carstens, who's like 400 pounds out of the Bank of International Settlements, which is its own country in, outside of Zurich, Switzerland. So it's like you have like the Vatican. This is its own fucking country. Nobody that- talks about the Bank of International Settlements. It's unbelievable how nobody talks about it. Yeah, and this guy Augustus Carstens, he is literally like he he couldn't even fit inside one of these Zoom windows, and then he's out there talking in July saying stuff like, uh, you know, we this is you know it's so bad that people can have a hundred dollar bill or a hundred dollar peso and not and the government doesn't know where it goes, but with blockchain we have the ability to track all that and have the ability to shut you down. So this is about the ability to shut us down. It's not about you know getting the rich getting all the money in the world. And I do agree also with Jason Burmis when it comes to Elon Musk. And I have, you know, I will say I did the Starlink the other day. So that way I can be out of like my RV and have internet anywhere. But I also like see that with letting people know that he plays like this dumb role, like, oh, kind of like a doofus, but yet, uh, you know, try to get everybody have their guard down and be the cool guy. So then that way they can come in and screw you at the end. Because if you come in guns blazing, uh, you know, people are going to have their guard up. But when you have like this, you know, cool guy, dumb guy sort of routine that that Elon Musk has and people have their guard down and all of a sudden everyone has to have a love fest. But, you know, I could keep talking about central bank digital currencies, but, you know, we have a digital dollar project. You've got the Saudi Arabia is now talking about accepting uh, the yuan uh, for, for oil. You have, you know, Russia talking about accepting gold and Bitcoin and rubles for their oil, essentially tying their economy to gold. Uh, so the, the, this is the end of the petrodollar. And right now, this is the convenient excuse that they've been drumming up since 2013 when they first started messing around with everything going on with you know NATO back then when they were drumming all this stuff up now. And so this all coming to head right as uh, you know, right as the CBDC is about to be launched and they've got everything in, in the power, everything to play. And who knows? Maybe Elon Musk was behind Bitcoin too, because he certainly does have the pedigree. Uh and like the experience, but, and let's also not forget his grandpa was a top technocrat out of Canada and was actually a part ahead of the technocratic party of Canada. So he's not just some guy, just like the rest of them that all came out of nowhere. And, you know, people should be keeping a close eye. Uh, Tim, I got them. a question for you. When it comes to the digital dollar, I, I don't know how it really works. Is it going to work like uh, a, a crypto wallet where you have to have your own digital dollar wallet in order to trade in that currency or are they just going to try to take the physical dollars out of circulation? So are you required as a user of the digital dollar to have like a smartphone? How, how does that work? Yeah. So about two months ago, the Fed uh, actually on their own website issued a 40 page white paper uh, on like what this would look like. And of course, they want to make sure that the big banks can get involved and make money to screw us too. So essentially, you're going to have like these banks are going to have like their own wallets you know, for you. And then you'll also have something through, you'll have like a Federal Reserve basically account now on on a phone app is what it's going to look like. Now there so, are so screw some- the, So screw the poor people who can't afford these these phones, basically. Well, maybe then they'll give them out Obama phones or something oh, like they okay, were doing nice. before. Who, who knows? I mean, it's all in the name of being able to track, trace, and surveil everybody. So I'm sure if they need to go give somebody some cheap phone to go do this, and that's what they'll go do. Uh, but you'll have probably this bifurcated system that eventually they'll start you know, phasing out more and more cash. 
And eventually, so there is something also with Bitcoin where the people that created Bitcoin, you know, at first they made it one megabyte block and then they were talking about expanding the block. And then there was this other group that essentially deliberately, in my opinion, messed up Bitcoin to, you know, without getting like super nerd dork, as Sam would say, basically, instead of just like making the block size get a little bit bigger and fitting more transactions in it, this other group said, no, we should take some data here, mix it around here, jumble it around and we'll fit more information in the block while we also develop something called the lightning network. Then the lightning network is a way where you'd have basically, let's say, let's say all of us were all going out to eat and we all wanted to create our own lightning channel. Well, then instead of actually settling it on the blockchain, we all throw in like 50 bucks or something. And then we just settle between us and it happens instantaneously cost next to nothing. But then eventually, if we want to settle up on the actual Bitcoin blockchain, we then would have a real transaction go through and then it would cost a lot more. And so what they did was, and actually the group that was behind this was called this company called Blockstream. Blockstream got $70 million worth of funding in 2014 from the company AXA. The head of fucking AXA is Henry DeCastries, who's the head of the Bilderberg Group. And so Blockstream came in, problem reaction solution, deliberately fucked up Bitcoin, made it so that way there was a congestion problem. So that way you have to go into their solution. And so a lot of people are going to be on-ramped into this solution, air quotes, by having to get one of these lightning wallets. Now you could host your own, but you know it's that super nerd dork stuff that like no one's really doing. And so what they're doing in El Salvador is you download their wallet that I think translates to the word cool, actually. So just talk about the branding in this. So it's a wallet that basically the government could then steal your money back from you. So even though it's a Bitcoin wallet, it's one where you're not actually holding on to your own keys. And so you can bet your ass, obviously the government's not going to be able to let you hold on to your own keys. And just a week ago, they uh, the treasury or some people tried introducing a bill in Congress to it's called the Epic app, Epic app or Epic uh, bill or something like that, where basically they want to it's instead of having the Fed issue a central bank digital currency, you're going to have the treasury issue a central bank digital currency. You know, so I mean, really, there's you know little difference in that other than getting rid of one middleman. But this the thing is, once they do this, you're going to have everyone by the balls. It's going to be a thousand times harder. To back our way out of this, but you, I, I mean, I talk to some very, very rich people like all the time, and like I've talked to people recently worth like 50, 60, 70, 80 million dollars who were tech, young tech, tech entrepreneurs who don't know what a CBDC is. So there's so many people out there that have no idea, but by the time they're going to figure it out, it's going to be too fucking late, and we're all going to yeah, be but slaves. Doesn't the internet, doesn't the internet always adapt? I mean, I mean, we have this situation, and I could be naive. Right. I could be totally naive. So we have all the like Twitter, YouTube, Facebook doing these incredible, like huge censorship, right? Like my podcast basically was about to be ran off YouTube. So instead of losing my 130,000 subscribers, I pulled Tim Fall Hat off of it and moved it to these alternative uh, places. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm sure I'd be getting bigger numbers if I was on YouTube. But I'm doing really well. Do and I'm not trying to be snarky or, or combative, but is it, do you have no faith that there will be a counter to any of this? Like we're we're really like the Fed and all these people. Yes, they can go get kids to do stuff, but you're really having like super old people try to determine how digital currency works and all that stuff. Here's the here's the problem, Sam. This time they're going to take the Chinese model. And that's why they're telling you you're going to own nothing. So it's going to be a social credit score on top I just of these see digital that, currencies. Like, 
I get but it. The thing Matt. is, you to Sam's point though is you know necessity is the mother of all innovation. So as so the more the bad guys push, the more we have people on our side who are coming up with decentralized exchanges. Like, good, you guys want to fucking ban Bitcoin? Well, then now the only way to get Bitcoin is going to be through you know super underground ways where they're definitely not going to be able to. It's going to be make it a lot harder for them to tra- transact. You're going to have you know once you know things like Ethereum get better with their gas fees, you're going to be able to have decentralized exchanges. But the thing is. A lot, but how many people are going to be on there and using them? And so I'm not necessarily, you know, doom and gloom for myself or maybe for some of us, but to the other 90, but, you know, for the people going out there and getting jabbed for the fourth time or the people that have no idea how any of this stuff is coming around the corner. So there will be escape hatches like and the, the decentralized exchanges, I think, are going to be a major escape hatch throughout all this. And luckily, you know, because, you know, this whole agenda was, you know, probably delayed by, you know, a few years that, you know, there is sort of this burgeoning crypto ecosystem to help being escape hatch, but it doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, a great time for everybody else. But, you know, there are there are going to be, you know, workarounds around this. It's just how many people are going to sacrifice the convenience of, uh, you know, doing something easily versus, you know, doing uh, yeah. it the right way. I, I got to so, tell you, I don't think this is delayed at all. I think it's right on time. World Economic Forum's already said they want XRP more than likely. XRP, the most corrupt uh, crypto out there that basically gets printed out of nothing. I think they want the same model that they brought in through the IMF back in 2008 and nine with the uh, special drawing rights, the zeros and ones, so they can just distribute the wealth in the manner they want. And I think the big plan, again, is to hyperinflate in westernized countries, drive the standard of living down so you accept it in most cases. And yes, people like him, maybe myself and others here will be able to navigate it through other cryptocurrencies and means. Um, but mostly and largely in trade with others that are doing that eventually, you know, well, I mean, the, like, here's the thing, Jason, I yeah. like, like, I mean, the notion of being able to save everybody is like, you're just going to fuck yourself. If you're just like, I got to save everybody. You can't save everybody. You just can't. And there's going to be people that are lemmings that are just going to run right off the cl- cliff. They're going to do it anyways. It's just the way it is. So what there's going to be, I, in my humble opinion, if you even take a look at what's going on, you can go ask your grandma, hey, wh- what's going on with this? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have friends who don't watch the news. I, I just have the humanity is so big. And I feel like they've taken this shot to try to control everything. And I, I just don't think now a lot of people got the shot and we'll see what happens from that. And But we can't save everybody. I think there's going to be things set up that allow us to find a way to work outside this. I mean, Owen Benjamin, right, got censored everywhere. You can find Owen Benjamin videos on YouTube. He's on Rockfin. He's got a house. He's doing all that. The guy won, you know, like he figured out a way and he won. And I think that- Sam, I've done the same thing, right? I didn't want to leave New York. A year and a half ago, I did so. I didn't want to be demonetized on YouTube. I still, I made more money after being demonetized on YouTube through a alternative platform, Rockfin, just like you're saying. Absolutely. We're kind of different in the regards that we don't work a 40-hour traditional week. We don't depend on somebody to make sure that we have health care for our family. And so many other people out there are still in that 9 to 5, 40 to 60 hours a week, 20 years into a career lifestyle. And obviously, we, our generation hasn't seen anything like the Great Depression ever. You know, those type of breadlines because the breadlines were basically a plastic EBD card. They've gotten enough people accustomed to that 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 generation is going to be very easy to move into this system, 
Okay. And when we talk about blockchain, the World Economic Forum and CBDCs, I would encourage people to check out also how they're going to find refugees in refugee camps, jobs, and give them money via the blockchain system. Uh, I played that video. They, they put it out there openly a month ago. So, you know, they want as many people on the digital dole as possible. And quite frankly, with people like Bushnell and this, uh, again, this 2025 document right here, uh, they knew the bio nano era was coming in 2020. They injected over a billion people with bio nanotech. They don't know how long it, it gets till the virtual uh, world. But I can tell you this, they openly talk about how the internet of things and this fourth industrial revolution is going to be carried out by geosensors that are basically smart dust where they can 24 seven, 365 surveil anywhere without any kind of camera or any other kind of tech. They've hey, already got it, bro. Well, it's uh, here. If you guys haven't, uh, I highly recommend you guys checking out the Dr. Robert Epstein show on Rogan or any interview that Dr. Robert Epstein's done. And then also he just did one. It was the 18... Uh, 100th uh, episode, uh, 1,800 episode of Rogan. He had a guest on. They, he, he's uh, like an expert in security and protecting celebrities and people that might be assassinated. And uh, he talked about the uh, the software, what the Pegasus uh, software. The, Pegasus uh, 2. Pegasus uh, 2. I've watched it. Yeah, Pegasus 2. How Pegasus 2. Basically, full access to everything on your phone, just like you're there. So you got a crypto wallet. They've seen your stuff. They can easily access it just that way. Everything 100%. I know all about it. I watched it. And, and it's no click. So the, literally just having your number, they can have access to everything on your phone. You don't need to click on anything. You don't need to watch a video. You don't need to do anything. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know it's there. And when they know that maybe uh, you're, you're not using your phone, the, it can be removed, right? They'll, they'll, they'll get um, the information. Obviously, they have access to everything. So they'll know when you're like, okay, maybe they moved to a new phone because they know they're being tracked. Uh, it, it'll just like... <laughs> disappear from your phone. You won't know anything about it. And it's even smart enough to know when to download your information. So like, uh, it'll do it at night when they know that like, okay, if you're East coast time and you don't use your phone at like 10 o'clock at night, so you don't notice any data difference, you know, like, Oh, why is my phone slowing down around, you know, around this time they'll wait till it's nighttime and you're sleeping. I mean, it's so, so my point is like, this stuff is so fucking advanced, like Jason's saying, and it's so beyond maybe even our understanding um, that, you know, this idea of fighting back, like it, I, I do believe like wherever there's um, an issue, like there's going to be, there's always going to be people who are resisting the power and finding uh, loopholes and trying to fight back. But, you know, when they have all the resources and all the money, it's like it, it always feels like they're going to be one step ahead. Now, Zach's here and Zach, speaking of uh, fighting back against big tech, uh, if you guys haven't checked out Blast.video, I highly recommend you guys checking it out. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with Zach. He's been on many of our shows. Uh, he's um no, he's known as the Google whistleblower, uh, but he has a new platform, which uh, I'm, I'm really excited about. I know he's really excited about. Uh, so, Zach, do you want to you want to fill us in a little bit? Because as content creators and also content consumers, I think uh, people listening would be uh, more than happy to, to hear about a new platform. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Um, talk about it. Yeah. You know what? We need like some good news and we need like a win in the free speech category because it's been sort of a long ride where our rights online, our ability to access the people that we like to watch are getting diminished because big tech doesn't want it, right? Because they got their own narratives and you guys 
are ruining for him by pointing out that their empire of lies is essentially that. And so uh, after Biden got installed, I went to work, rolled up my sleeves and started working on the real solution for big tech censorship. And what it is, is it's an aggregation system. And the aggregation system goes out, scans the internet for around 250 different content creators. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they're on Rumble or BitChute or Brighteon or Gab TV. It's able to uh, visit their page, convert it into RSS, ingest the RSS feed, and then um, combine it all into one single website. And the great thing is, is that it's really hard to get censored off of our website because we can pull from any of these like six major platforms. So you literally have to get banned on YouTube and BitChute and Rumble and Gab TV and all of them for before uh, Blast.Video won't be able to find them. Um, and you know what I've done is I've tried to reduce all the friction that users experience in order to visit uh, a site in order to figure out what everyone is talking about uh, today, right? Like it updates every single hour presents a uh, trending section uh, on the opening click and you're able to see like, what are the hot topics? And let me tell you, the trending algorithm is probably the thing I'm most uh, proud about because what it's able to do, it's able to find every single trend that's happening today. If uh, something's not trending, then it means that it didn't happen. Like it really is able to find everything that uh, is noteworthy on a given day. And it does that by looking for a surprising number of views per content channel, right? So if you've got a channel and you're generating 50,000 views or more a month, and then suddenly you get a video that's got like double the amount of views, well, my training algorithm is able to see that and say, oh, wow, people are really interested in this video. So uh, you're going to be able to see it as well. Um, and you guys should check it out, uh, blast.video. Um, if you want to immediately upon launching it, both Facebook and Instagram banned the website, uh, banned the URL, and then also banned my personal name, unless you are in condemnation of me and calling me out as some sort of hate monger. In that case, Facebook will allow your post hate to go monger. through. Yeah. So, um, well, well, hate monger, Zach, I have a question for you because you're, you're a technical yeah. guy. Um, we we're talking about crypto exchanges and the coming digital dollar. Um, and, uh, you know, these cryptocurrencies are exchanged on servers and correct me if I'm wrong. 60% of the world's servers are Linux, I think. Yeah, um, like so if, if there were angry Linux maintainers and they were, they were tired of this dystopian future, um, that they, that they think is coming a few years down the line. Uh, would it be feasible or possible for angry Linux maintainers to introduce something that would totally disrupt the digital currencies that they're trying to uh, put on us in the future? I mean, essentially, there's a, you know, a backbone, which I think would be the best way. Maybe they could try to introduce a patch. The problem is, is that the Linux landscape is so is so forked in so many different um, you know, operating systems. And now that so many of the servers are running what's called a container, which is like a slimmed down virtual machine, that if you don't like, let's say, Ubuntu, then you can use Alpine Linux, or you can use one of these other Linux distributions and swap out and not have that effective uh, code. So yeah, they could. It'd be like a one shot, and then people would be able to plug the hole and continue going on again. Whether they've got like some sort of secret kill switch, uh, I don't see how they could have had that unless it was installed 
uh, decades ago, and uh, it's somehow been able to evade detection. And such things like that are very difficult. Um, you know, it is possible, but it would be a monumental feat, and the chances that it would still exist to this day are pretty slim. But I don't know, maybe. I'm going to take so, that as a big no because of containerization and every, everything that's going on out there. It probably would have been that kill switch may have been found. So, okay. Thank yeah. you for answering the question. <laughs> so Zach, uh, a question about your, your platform. So if something's trending, obviously if, if you're looking at the algorithms on, on a video from a certain channel or content creator, all of a sudden it spikes. And, and like you said, which I think is genius, this idea of like, okay, you look at it, like this must be getting all this extra interest uh, for a reason. Um, is that on all the platforms? Cause obviously like the things that we're interested in are things that would be getting extra spikes of, of views and, and, and trend on like rumble or mines or Rockfin or these alternative platforms. So is that what, would we see those because, and, and then yeah. also, I guess the second part of that question would be like, would we still see the, even though the views that maybe something on YouTube would get are much less, would you still be able to kind of um, fit that in somewhere? Would, or does the views not matter as much as the spike in interest? It's actually the spike in interest, which allows like the younger or the uh, smaller channels in order to punch through, you know, because I don't want just Fox News, Newsmax, OEN, these giant, you know, producers of content to just dominate. Uh, and so that's the reason why I actually use uh, a surprising number of views for a, each content creator, right? So I take their average, I compute the spread called the standard deviation. And then I rank all their videos depending on where it ends up in that standard deviation. Um, two standard deviations would be like 120 IQ and above, you know? Um, and so it's like, it represents like the top 97%. You know, if, if, you've, if some content creator has a video that's gained the top 97% in terms of um, variance, like that would mean like something with like twice as many views or three times as many views, depending on the spread, then my trending algorithm is going to push it to the top. It's going to appear, you know, next with the, you know, gigantic video outputs of Fox news and all this other stuff. So it really is good at getting the little guy to play fair because really it's all about the customer. They want to see all the trends. And sometimes those little tiny channels are going to have some amazing interviewer that people find fascinating. Let's say uh, Catherine Austin fits. And so I want to be able to have a mechanism that brings that right to the front of the trending section. Mike, so, so I guess my question on that is it, you said it's converting it to an RSS feed and you're taking, uh, what is it? YouTube, um, rumble, et cetera, et cetera. So does, when it catches it, does it bring them to the platform that it finds on the RSS feed? Cause a lot, cause a lot of us are on multiple platforms, right? Yeah. So it scans the HTML and then decomposes it and then reconstructs it as a standardized feed. And then, um, and then it puts that into the database that it updates and says, oh, here's everyone's videos for the last you know, six months. So I've got a giant database that stores that meta information, you know, the title, the description, et cetera, but not the video blog because that would be too expensive. Yeah, I get it. So then you yeah. would get the view on whatever platform it's, it's pointed towards is what you're telling me. Yeah, they're, right now, all of them, provide that information gotcha okay cool mike i i know it's funny because uh, mike has actually talked about this before i think when we've talked about big tech censorship um mike correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure you've brought up the how like one of the most important things would is create a algorithm that would help you 
find like alternative media. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit. How So this is like a breakthrough and really important because to be able to, to get all the important stuff that's trending because literally like the, the most, and Jason has said this numerous of times on the show, uh, the, the two biggest search engines are YouTube and Google. And um, they're both censoring the shit out of any alternative perspective, having a platform that doesn't do that, where we can actually find uh, these interesting uh, videos or, or things that, you know, maybe somebody did a unique video that's going viral on Rumble that I might not be aware of. But if I go on your platform, all of a sudden it's there. Um, that That's awesome. M- Mike, have you gotten a chance to look at the, the platform? And what do you think about this whole, uh, the whole way he's designed it? Oh, he's a way better software developer than I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> if you work for Google, you know how to, uh, put something yeah. together. Um, it, it looks, it looks great. I like the aggregation of the RSS feeds. Uh, I'm just getting ready to see if you actually create more RSS feeds. Like it could, I subscribe to the trending on blast.video as an RSS feed. I'm working on that. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That's that's yeah. what I like. That's how I get all my news and kind of recommendations is like through RSS feeds. And I like his idea. It It's actually pretty snappy the way it looks. And uh, I'm looking forward to using it more and just kind of searching around and just see what I can search for on there. It's, it's actually looks really easy to use and very intuitive. Yeah. And just wait until I put the YouTube clip feature where it's basically you can click on any video that you want and you can put in the start timestamp and the end timestamp and then uh, put in your email address and it will uh, generate a clip and then send you a link to your email address so that you have the exact you know video that you want. I think yeah, this foundation has like a lot of applications, like just pro, like re, building something that can just reach out to all these different platforms and then do all the manipulation to create a new RSS feed is a lot of work. How long did it take you to to do this? I've been working on this for nine months. Yeah, yeah, um, pretty much just putting myself out to create this. And now I'm fundraising, and uh, the money's trickling in right now. Um, and, uh, the outpouring is great. The number of users that come and visit it and then become repeat everyday customers is through the freaking roof. I've never seen anything like this. Like clearly this is a huge demand in the market space and blast.video just pretty much solves the whole problem, you know, and I'm trying to advertise that this is like the end of censorship as we know it because aggregation cancels censorship. It's just that simple. It looks really good. I mean, this is what, you know, your YouTube app is so intuitive in a way for each person. I mean, it's hard to get off it once you got that, you know, that uh, the YouTube red or whatever. This is this is great. What's the difference between like when you pull up independent populist mainstream, for example? What's the difference between them? Yeah. Yeah. So like the independent is um, anyone that's just, you know, doing their stream. Populist can sort of blend from high output um, individuals like like actually Tim pools on the line here. Uh, I want to get him off the independent might put him to populist cause he's so big. Um, but populist is like the Steve Bannon's Infowars stuff like that. Mainstream is like Fox OAN, um, you know, people that are or news channels that are featured on satellite and cable. Um, and then we've got health because I've had a radical improvement in health going on keto and all this other stuff. And there's a whole bunch of naturopaths and, other doctors that um, all are alternative to the mainstream, 
a lot. Um, and then we've got a news tab, which is essentially a crawler that goes around and finds a whole bunch of news articles from around the web and then combines them in the same way that I've been able to combine video, videos. This combines uh, spoken, well, actually a uh, written word in article form. So um, there's more that can be done for this. Eventually, I would like to do the same sort of aggregation on uh, across Gab and Twitter. I think that would be a really great uh, thing and then basically bring everyone back together again uh, into the same room and let's party, right? That's what I want to do. And launching a new video site, you know, Frank's speech and these others, I think that they fumbled because uh, they kind of just built it and expected everyone to come where I provided a party that's already happening and you just arrived uh, at the perfect time. How much, you mo how much money do I have to donate to Blast Video to get on the trending list? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hey, Zach, I'm just curious at this party, are you bringing that guitar keyboard thing that you play? Yeah. Yeah. I've got it right behind me, actually. Um, <laughs> if you guys didn't see the guitar, how dare you, Ricky? Yeah. The guitar, bro. <laughs> I just thought, yes, I know. I know what it is. I'm a musician, as you could tell, but I just wanted to be funny. Fail. <laughs> I also have a didgeridoo there. But if you guys My boys, they, they play Mario Speedwagon. They got a guitarist. He fucking kills it. They do covers of <laughs> Nintendo songs. It's amazing. <laughs> well, he, if you haven't seen the promo for uh, for Blast, Can I show it. You, yeah. Like, well, you want to show it? Yeah. Let's yeah. Show it. But my, my host sharing is disabled. Let's see if I can uh, allow host sharing. We need to say see it. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> let's see here. Uh, multiple participants. Let's. Here we go. I'm a, I don't know what's going to happen here, so I'm pressing this. Sure Boom. All right. We got it. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can get it. Um, you guys probably don't. I'll, ju I'll just fill in some. Oh, here we go. Hey, here we go. Can I hate that. Last top video. Uncancels America. Hi there. My name is Zach Voorhees. You may know me as the Google whistleblower. And I think it's safe to say I hate censorship more than anyone else that I know. And that's the reason why I created Blast.video, a new type of social media system called an aggregator. And the way that it cracks through censorship is that it scans open video platforms like Rumble, like BitChute, like Brideon, like Gab TV, and looks for new content by the content creators that you love. It takes those new videos that it finds, it brings it under one single website called Blast.video where it serves it to you. Content creators like Joe Rogan, Project Veritas, Alex Jones and Infowars, Bannon's War Room, Stu Peters, Next News Network, Rebel News, OAN, Newsmax, Epic Times. We feature independent creators like Awaken with JP, Dinesh D'Souza, Steven Crowder, Bonjino Report, Andy No, Chrissy Mayer, Judicial Watch, Lex Friedman, Jordan Peterson, Jordan Sather, Ann Vandersteel, Glenn Beck, Rubin Report, Gothics, Sarah Carter, Viva Free, Charlie Kirk, Mr. Reagan, Lionel Nation, RSBN, Black Pigeon Speak, Scott Adams, Lauren Southern, Lauren Chen, Ben Shapiro, Dell Big Tree, Dix Hexenhammer, Gateway Pundit, Candace Owens, Quite Frankly, Freedom Tunes, We Are Changed, Jimmy Dore, Tim Poole, Anomaly, The Quartering, Black Conservative Patriot, Health Ranger Reports, Matt Walsh, PragerU, Red Pill 78, Sarah Westall, SGT Reports. We scan a total of 250 content creators across platforms every single hour for fresh videos. 
It's like censorship never even happened to the conservative community. And I'm looking for your help to make Blast.video that number one spot in America for conservative news. The reason is because I want to create a better future. 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 In the future, there is no censorship of human states to blast. Blast.video. And now I'm going to use this time machine to go back to the present. And it looks like Blast.video couldn't come soon enough. So you may be asking yourself, when does Blast.video launch? And I've got great news. If all goes well, Blast.video will launch in 10 seconds. 9, 8, 7, 6. censorship of humans that was awesome pretty good with that (laughs) like that so good that's the only song i know how to play on that really (laughs) that was great we need the didgeridoo (laughs) right i i only have second thoughts about your algorithms because how is that promo not trending on blast out video (laughs) right i know (laughs) That was so awesome. Well, the people watching or listening definitely help the the platform if you can. I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, you have a huge team of one that uh, you know, you could use some help with for you know to finance and and because I mean, obviously, it, there has to be some huge costs in in the running that right. I mean, no, in, I made everything to be extremely cheap. Um, oh, okay. Well, in that case, he doesn't need your money. <laughs> No, 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 I do because the thing is, is that I burnt out my entire financial system to bring this to you guys. So uh, now we're I'm looking to raise a hundred thousand dollars to keep it running for the next year and through the midterms. Um, and uh, and so for the next three months, we're going to be fundraising on this and implementing features and uh, you know talking to content creators and see how I can make their lives easier. That's really what it is like. You know, you content creators, you're producing content. It seems like nobody actually cares, you know, whether you make money or not. Yeah, they don't. (laughs) And I think it's, I I think that a platform that can effectively respond to user requests and implement the features they care about uh, will over the long term uh, just beat everything else. At the end of the day, people love to use well-designed software that does the job fast and efficiently. Am I correct? yeah, and you also leveled the the playing field because you look at YouTube, for example. Like, if you're competing with these big channels, like the chances of you trending is is little to none. But on your platform, even if you're a smaller channel and you happen to do uh, a really good video or a really good interview that people seem to like and is sticking out a little bit from the others, like it, it'll stick out on on Blast Out Video. So that's that's awesome. You really give uh, smaller shows uh, opportunity to to kind of get new. Um, new audience. Mm-hmm. The, the best exactly part right. that, that the YouTube was the algorithm that they had five to six years ago was their recommendation algorithm. That's where people really 
got their audience. And that's why we're no longer on there is because they took away that recommendation algorithm from creators like us. And if you can implement that again, you have, uh, you have a big win on your hands. Exactly. Exactly. Zach, are you, uh, I have to ask since, and since ours is really only audio now again, um, and there is lots of podcasts that are doing really well with audio only still, it seems to have, you know, there seems to be quite a reach. Um, did you, is there anything like this for the future planned? Is that sort of more like podcasting 2.0? I wish Mark was here cause I'm still not really up to speed exactly on what, well, I guess if this is possible or is there potential for audio only like audio RSS feeds without the video aspect, you know, or is oh, yeah. that maybe already being done through podcasting 2.0, which I think is like a similar aggregation of everything that's on that, that platform. There's a whole lot of different formats. They're trying to reinvent the wheel uh, and the wheel's pretty much been solved. Um, RSS is the winner. It is. Um, it's awesome. It works everywhere. Um, and pretty much what's surprising is a lot of conservative websites don't even support it. They need to change that with, by adding a WordPress plugin, but um, RSS wins it and you can use it for articles. You can use it for video. You can use it for podcasts. It just works really, really well. So good to hear you say that. Not many people know about its power uh, because uh, big tech in the last five years have, have tried to really brush RSS feed under the rug, but the, the backbone of all podcasting really is RSS feeds. And I'm glad that you introduced this into your video platform is so good to hear. And then I can put that in my RS feed uh, aggregator where I get all my stuff and, and see something, click on it. So that, that's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, for w what you're referring to, how, how do you do that? You, you, you create a feed, a RSS feed. You have one for your podcast and you don't even know about it. Oh, well, I know my, <laughs> no, I know my podcasting, but you're saying you do it with news. What do you, what do you, what, I have, you so for my show, OBDM, I have an application and I get all my news funneled into this. It has probably 200 different feeds and I scan through them to find the stories that I want. And so I use, I go to one place to get all my news and it's probably two, 200 different uh, RSS feeds that come in right there. So I'm not scanning all these different places I go to one place. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I use podcast addict. I've been using it for years. I love podcast addict. I kind of use podcasts as my news feed because I'll just refresh the RSS feeds on everything and see what's new and then kind of browse through it and be like, Oh, that's an interesting, you know, uh, uh interview that I haven't uh, seen yet and then just kind of looked into it. So, yeah, I mean, the thing about it's funny because Corbett has said the same thing that Mike and Zach has said, like how the solution is RSS feeds, you know, it's uh really simple is in the name and yet like people kind of neglect it that it's just a really simple solution to to kind of uh uh solving a lot of these problems and and i mean this is i think it, it's a really good idea because one thing that we've talked a lot about uh, i know if sam was here uh you know he, he could um you know go more into this but he always sam and i would disagree on and and even corbett because corbett would say the same thing uh, and and about this idea, it's like, well, it's not real hard just to go to somebody's website. Like, how hard is it? Like, okay, you're being censored everywhere. As long as you have a website, people can go to your website, and it's like just punch it. In. And it's it's true, like that you can do that, even if people are being censored in other places. But the truth is, like, we're constantly looking for the path of least resistance. We're constantly looking for uh, the easy option, right? I mean, um, 
so it's like Rockfin, for example. I remember Rockfin and, and Jason knows this. Like the, one of the requests they would get the most is like, come up with an app, come up with an app. And it's like, well, how hard is it just to put in rockfin.com in your browser? But like just skipping that little process, that little step, you know, the likelihood of people using it goes up uh, yeah. quite a bit. So well, I, I've been all over them to improve it, you know, and, uh, you know, I've been vocal about that. That is the platform and it is improvements in that. And the bottom line is the only reason I'm still on YouTube is because I need people that are watching cat videos that just come across to come to my content and then I can convert them over to the Rockfin, right? So I don't know that it's on the path of least re resistance. I think it's utilizing technology and where pop culture is at at every avenue. And that's how you get people into the alternative. That's how you get people over to like blast.video. Somebody promos it in the middle and says, hey, we got 20 more minutes, but it's only at this platform. We want to thank Blast and blah, blah, blah. I do it with Rockfin every day. Hell, my fucking background is Rockfin. And I'm on, you know, I pay for Podbean now. I'm on those RSS feeds. The bottom line is you want to interject yourself into as much mainstream as possible so that people can come over and especially with the censorship and find, you know, the meat and potatoes of your content. That's how I feel about it. That's why I love what you said, Jason, about like, hey, you know, even if I disagree with people, let me just go like I'll go on any platform. And that's that's kind of how I am. You know, I get when I went to a band.video, video, I had some people who liked it, some people who didn't like the fact that I was on band.video. video. I'm like any platform that will let me share like it doesn't change my show. It just means that it might uh, be exposed to some new audience. And, and to me, it's like any platform that's going to let me share these conversations. Why would I resist? you know, utilizing those platforms and you might reach some people that you, you, you know, that you might not reach somewhere else. Cause maybe that platform became an echo chamber and uh, you need to kind of uh, go out. So it's like, to me, it's like, I know that people have had issues with censorship on, on so many of these alternative, you know, quote unquote, alternative platforms that some people have dealt with censorship in places where they went there because of censorship. But um, as long as I don't get banned, I'll keep using it. And I don't, you know, if they're banning other people, that does suck. But that just means like I'm going to help uh, get some content on their platform that maybe they don't want. And I'll keep well, I'll tell you what, I had an instance just today, right? On Facebook, my personal Facebook, you know, a few thousand, I think it's like four and a half thousand people made a post about the McGregor rape stuff, right? And someone said, hey, did I miss something? What are you talking about? I haven't seen this. So I sent him my Twitter feed, you know, my long thread on the absolute fact that McGregor's a violent serial rapist. Anyway, <laughs> so we get there and I said, you should go check me out on Rockfin. There's a bunch of uncensored stuff over there, including, and she just straight up said, I don't follow you anywhere, but Facebook, <laughs> this is my newsfeed for you. So if I don't post my video on Facebook or she doesn't see it there, she just doesn't see it. She doesn't go anywhere. She was honest about that. And that just shows you how mainline people are, even that are kind of hooked into the ether of alternative media. Yeah, well, that that is going to be a, a problem. I mean, that's the thing. That's you know, that's why even though Twitter sucks and and Facebook sucks, if you as as long as you, you can post on there, you know, I I have nothing against. Like, I I get this idea of like screw all those big tech uh, companies. I'm going to these other companies that don't uh, censor. But if you can utilize it for as long as you can, you know, why not? Because you're going to reach some people that aren't going to those other uh, platforms. And and to me, that that's important because those are the people we need to reach. Uh, there's plenty of people who are going to BitChute, Rumble, Rockfin, Band.Video, 
Um, maybe they'll find some new information on, on my show or somebody else's show that's on there. But like for the most part, those are pretty informed people who are much more open-minded. It'd be nice to reach some of the people that still need to get red-pilled. And if, you know, you don't know where they're going to find that information. And like Mike said, back in the day, it was YouTube. You could look up something. Oh, you know what? Let me look into UFOs. And this video, you know, um, after this video, I, I watched this one and I watched that one. And everybody talks about the the rabbit holes you can go down on YouTube. There, there is no more of that. Now it's like it's I mean, there are a few people that are still doing great work on YouTube. Uh, there's not a whole lot. But, you know, like, quite frankly, and and some of the other shows and and, and Jason um, you know, you, there's a few uh, channels still worth subscribing that are are surviving there. And even when I had uh, Frank on my show, he said similar things that Jason, you have said, you know, like, I need to reach those people. I need to, you know, exist on this platform so I can reach those people. Because if not, then everybody who's kind of already red pilled will just be in an echo chamber on these other platforms. And it's like, well, that's great. You know, we can still inform our, uh, each other of, of new things, but like there's plenty of reachable people that aren't getting the content. And, it, and it's a shame because there are people out there who do want to do the research and find the information, but they're just not aware that when they go on Google, they're not finding the information, uh, not because it doesn't exist, but it's because it's being controlled. And, and you know, nobody knows that better than Zach. Yeah. Well, let me just say this, Ricky, before I go, they're openly waging inexpensive information, internet, and psychological warfare against us. Again, this is a 2001 document. They're doing it through Trojan horse civilian systems. That's what Google is. That's what YouTube is. That's what Twitter is. And we have to utilize that same technology in this information warfare. And, and that's the bottom line. And I'm Team Humanity, and I'm going to keep doing it for as long as I can. Ricky, thank you very well, much. Zach, well, the platform looks great. Well, we, well, Mike, are you, are you cool with like winding down right now? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, we'll plug everything. Cause I want people to know uh, where they can get Zach's information if they want uh, him to do birthdays, you know, with the uh, key guitar or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, give birthdays. we need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, everybody's going to be searching for that video after this podcast. <laughs> But um, yeah, so if people want you, Jason, we can start with you. If you want to uh, just plug uh, your show where people can find you, um, you know, and, and anything else that you have going on. Sure. Uh, again, you want to see me uncensored. I'm now on Podbean. You get the audio stuff there, but obviously Rockfin, Rockfin, Rockfin. Shade the Motion Picture, one of my documentaries is right at the top. I would encourage you to watch all of my documentaries for free. Loose Change, Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined, and Shade the Motion Picture, especially the last two in light at the movement of globalization and the outward move to a quote-unquote new world order by many of these people. And, uh, you know, just share the info, man. If you want to su support me, you know how to do it. But it it's really about getting the information out. I mean, back in the loose change days, it was about burning DVDs and handing that out to other people and getting the info out. Same thing, the links, the videos, the information. You got them on your goddamn phone. <laughs> <laughs> like get out there and do it. This is an information war. One of the biggest upbeat things I've seen lately are people like Stein and others now going out there, getting out in the public and going viral. You know, it harkens back to the old loose chain or I'm sorry, we are change days where, you know, Luke Radowski helped start a movement where people were confronting the big new Brzezinski's of the world, the Bill Clinton's of the world, John Edwards, you can go on and on and on and on and on. We need more of that. Uh, but we, we need to be involved and uh, spreading the information is the way. 
And now that you have an RSS feed, does that mean that they can get the uh, the audio version of your shows on? Not all the- only the audio version, Ricky, but because I plunked down for the premium package, I also put out the vidcasts. And uh, actually, so what's really cool about Podbean is if you go to the Podbean app itself, not only can you watch my video cast, but when I do my regular broadcast, what I like to do is do it live in audio format. And you can call into the show on your phone through the app and as I broadcast, I can take your phone calls live without anything else. So that's why I chose Podbean out of all of them. I was like 350 bucks for the year. Great investment. Again, it's really the Burmese Brigade and the Info Warriors out there that provide that cash. So uh, I'm just trying to expand as much as possible, be on every single platform uh, that I possibly can and get my information out. Awesome. Any, anybody want to go uh, next? Anybody want to jump in? Zach? Oh, you're, you're muted, bud. Um, yeah, so um, blast video is your solution against censorship. Uh, go there right now to see the best people online, the sense makers, the influencers, um, and uh, see what they have to say every single day. Come back, bookmark it, and if you like the work that I'm doing and you want to join against the fight uh, against big tech censorship, then please support me at GiveSyncGo slash BlastVideo, or just go to the website, BlastVideo, and you'll see it as a pop-up or the heart in the upper right-hand corner. So uh, keep the spirit of free speech alive uh, and watch it at blast.video. Awesome. Well, I guess I'll go. My name is Scott, uh, formerly with the Truthzilla podcast, started a new show. It's called Rebunked. Uh, Rebunked.news is the website, all the links to everything. So yeah, Rebunked.news. Thank you guys, Mike and Ricky, as always. Appreciate it. I'll go. Uh... Graham from uh, Grimerica.ca. That's our original podcast. Our new sort of premium feed is GrimericaOutlaw.ca. We've got audiobooks at adultbrain.ca. We've got lots of audio. We've got over 50, 60 audiobooks now out there. So check some of those out. Okay. Well, I'll jump in. Uh, so my name is Tees. I'm an artist and I've been studying the world of conspiracy and uh, corruption for about 15 years. And I've created the show Conspiracy Synergy, which is available at conspiracysynergy.com to get you and your friends and family up to speed on the basics and also to introduce you to the alternative media and some of the best content creators. So like Jason and Ricky and um, Scott and uh, Corbett and Passio and Grand Theft World, and I could go on for a long time, but what it does is it takes all that information into one place and provides a bunch of really funny artistic visuals to go along with it so that we can get the people who are just starting to wake up now in the know very quickly and also give them the resources to go out there and get introduced to the whole community. So that's once again, I'm Tees at ConspiracySynergy.com. Susan, you're up. You're up. Um. I work with a bunch of different organizations, but the most important thing I would say is to follow the regulatory agencies, FDA, CDC, like we have to stay informed. If you're watching the news, you're not getting the real info. So I would just encourage people to continue to follow all of these guys, blast.video, conspiracysynergy.com, all these guys, because that's where you're going to get the information that the mainstream media is not telling you. Well, and you're, you're pretty active on Instagram. So, uh, you know, definitely follow her on Instagram. Uh, what's your Instagram handle? I'm, or- at, I'm at activist underscore Susie on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm a bunch of places, but really, I think that it's super important to to go right to the sources. So 
So I, I would keep pushing the FDA, CDC, go watch the meetings, see what's going on and um, be informed right from the source. Awesome. And sh- she doesn't do birthdays, but she does podcasts. So if you guys want to uh, <laughs> invite her on. Uh, I don't do birthdays. That's true. <laughs> uh, my, Ricky Varanis, the Ripple Effect Podcast, rippleeffectpodcast.com. Audio is available everywhere. Video is available many places. Uh, so look for it. And uh, and then Char- I'll, I'll, I'll plug Charlie because he, he's gone. Uh, Charlie Robinson, Macroaggressions. Uh, he's on Iconic. He's on uh, Rockfin. He's on um, a bunch of different platforms. And audio is found uh, anywhere. And he has a bunch of awesome books, too, that you guys can uh, look into. And then Sam Tripoli, uh, who does a bunch of different uh, shows. But you can go to samtripoli.com and find, I think, just about all of them on samtripoli.com. Yeah, and I'm Mike, uh, obdmpod.com, our big dumb mouth. And uh, check out the links in the description of this podcast for everyone who appeared on it. Go check out their shows, and we'll be back in a few weeks, I think. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Everyone. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Take God care. bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job. <laughs>